the gospel according to John, John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, RCC, in my name, I will do it. And all God's children said, amen. Today I want to tag this message for you, a ministry mandate for the disciples. A ministry mandate for the disciples. Amen. Sister Lydia, in today's text, my sister, we get to see an interesting charge be given to the master's disciples for the purpose of God the Father being glorified in the earth. Jesus has announced that he's leaving them and he's going back to be with the Father in heaven. And now he is going to prepare them a place that where he is, they may be also. Now, the news of this departure has made these brothers somewhat fearful, disappointed, and filled with sorrow. But then, in a new turn in the conversation, Jesus begins to give them promises of unseen power to do things that will impact the future, bring glory to God, and also change their lives forever. See, not only is he leaving them in their earthly times of communion, Brother Will, but he is leaving them to continue the work that he started while he was with them in the earth. Sister Star, he's given them a mandate to follow. He has trained them for the mission, He has assured them that the Father would be pleased if they moved on his command. So today, let's examine this passage, if you will. Let's look at three things in this passage that I think will bless you, family. One, let's look at the power of Jesus. Number two, let's look at the promise of Jesus. And then number three, let's look at the permission of Jesus. Are you all going to help me preach today? All right. The power of Jesus, the promise of Jesus, and the permission of Jesus. The text says, and most assuredly, or I'm sure of this, disciples, I say to you that whoever believes in me, 
the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Why? Because I go to my Father. According to the passage here, Dr. Cho, there is a condition applied for those who will work for the Father. And it's a condition of belief, of faith. One who works for God, here it is, must believe that he is God. Can I get an amen right there? They must also believe in the work of God. Elder Ken, good to see you, brother. Glad you're back. He who believes in me, Jesus says, Elder, the works that I do, he will also do. Now, here we see what I call is the power of Jesus that's being given to his disciples. See, if they believe in him, the works that they saw him do, giving sight to the blind, giving hearing to the deaf, raising the dead, walking on water, they would be able to do. The phrase written here that <clears throat> he will do also is what we call an emphatic pronoun. It, it simply means that what Jesus did, the disciples would be able to do. That's why we're here, RCC, to be able to demonstrate for the world who our Messiah was by doing the same things he did. This is a promise. This is a fact. This is a proven claim. And it's given to them that their discouraged hearts might be lifted from the despair of bad news that they just received. They're receiving. Now, the good news in the bad news for the disciples is that they're going to be able to continue to do what Jesus started doing in their presence. And not only will they be able to do it, but they'll be able to do more of it. Listen to what he said. And greater works than these they will do because I go to my father. Uh, Elder Rhodes, this doesn't mean greater than Jesus did in quality, but it means greater than he did in quantity. Let me explain. Jesus' work was done by the Father through the Spirit, through him, because he's God. Nobody would be able to do what Jesus did like those miracles he did because God himself was doing it. And it means for you and I, while the power of God will work through us to do those miracles, it will never outdo what Jesus did. Can I get a witness right there? But in quantity, Jesus' ministry was reduced to Judea. And he only did it for three years. The disciples would be able now to go into all the world for more than three years. And so when it came to quantity, they would be able to do more because they would live on earth a lot longer. Can I get a witness right there? 
I thought you'd be impressed with that. He says, and greater works you'll be able to do. I like that. Watch this, he says. For those who believe on his name, they would be able through his almighty power to do these works. And then when you and I get the privilege of reading in the book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit comes upon them and fills them, what do we see? The fulfillment of Jesus' promise. For example, in Acts chapter 5, Peter's shadow is actually used to heal people who are sitting in the crowd just to get a glimpse of him. Jesus' shadow never did that. In Acts chapter 9, 19 rather, somebody lays a handkerchief on Paul and then takes that same handkerchief and begins to lay it on other people and they get healed. Greater works are happening. In Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 9, in Acts chapter 10, Peter actually preaches to Ananias and Sapphira in God's church about lying to God, and they are struck dead in the sanctuary. The power of God through the work of the disciples. Elimus, the sorcerer, was struck blind in Acts chapter 13 by the power of the preaching of Apostle Paul. Greater works. Christ, again, his ministry was reduced to Judea. This little 20, 30-mile radius, that was it. But the disciples will go into all the world preaching in the same power and authority as the Christ. And here's why. I don't want us to get this confused. Here's why they got that power. Jesus says, because I go. I go back to the Father. And because I go, these works will be done through you. I'm happy today. I'm happy, RCC, because I too, like those disciples, still believe in his name. Come on, I feel like preaching today. I said, I too, I am one of those disciples that believe in his name. And guess what? I've had the privilege for 32 years of preaching this same gospel. I've had the privilege of taking this gospel around the world and across the country. And I've seen the power that Jesus talks about manifested in the life of the disciple. I just might preach this morning, y'all. Come on, help me, somebody. I've seen the sick get well at the laying of hands by the church. I've seen the gospel turn neighborhoods upside down through the preaching of the church. I've seen the hungry get fed in multiple zip codes by the ministry of the local church. I'm getting excited here. I've seen the truth change political systems in various counties and cities in North America by the preaching of the church. I've seen the power of God unleashed in ghettos and suburbs by the power of the local church. I've seen the promise of grace in babies who didn't look like they were going to make it, in mothers who were struggling to get their sobriety. I've seen the gospel turn communities upside down. I believe in the promised power that Jesus gave to those disciples. Can I say some more? 
I, I've seen the power of wisdom preached from this little book to transform minds and hearts and lives. I've seen the hope of salvation in lives being changed. Sister Maria, I've seen the assurance of peace that passes all understanding and grieving communities by the power of the gospel that's preached through the local church. Listen, baby, the local church may not be perfect, but she's God's agenda for the world. Mm, I feel like preaching. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not going to contain myself today. I'm going to let my hair down. How about that? I've seen greater works. And guess what? I'm looking for more greater works. As long as there's breath in my body, I believe there's power in the gospel. This is a promise to the believer. The believer who's committed to working for Christ in the earth. Well, we've looked at the power of Jesus. Come here now. Let me show you here the promise of Jesus. The Bible says in verse 13, and whatever you ask in my name, somebody say my name, that I will do. That the Father Here it is, not you, not me, but that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Beloved, here we have a divine promise and assurance, Sister Peggy, of asking and receiving. The language that he uses here is the language of what you and I call a mediator. You know what a mediator is. It's a person who goes on behalf of another person. And the request of the disciples is to be submitted to the Father, but done in the name of the Son. Uh, And according to this divine procedure, there's a divine promise that the believer can count on. My my mother used to say, son, there ain't no such thing as a wasted prayer. He might not answer it today, but every prayer, he's God in heaven. Come on, talk to me, mama. Some mama in here that's wondering, God, are you going to answer my prayer? Yes, in his time. Can I say some more? Jesus said, whatsoever. That means there's no prayer off limits, right? Whatsoever you ask. Now, this statement itself aligns itself with the previous verse where he just talked about greater works we would be able to do, right? It aligns itself with that prayer, that his will would be done. So in other words, whatever we need to accomplish his will, his plan, he will do it. Whatever you need, RCC, he will give it. He will open it. He will bless it. He will provide it. I need you to believe this today. I need you to believe this, RCC. He will heal it. He will allow it. Why? Not that RCC's name would be praised, but that the Father's name 
will be praised. Oh, that's just good preaching right there. Oh, yes, it is. I promise you it is. This is just good Bible as your mediator. He says, this is what I want you to do. Ask me for what you want. Believe that I got what you want. And if you want it to glorify my father, hey, I'm going to give you what you need. Isn't that good news? Ballhead preacher friend of mine, A.D. Wilson, says this. <laughs> this type of praying is dangerous praying. And it's dangerous praying because if the believer really believes it, and they're really doing it for the glory of the Father, they'll see things done they've never seen done before. This type of praying implies that the believer wants what God wants. Can I say that again? This kind of praying. It implies that the child of God wants what the Father wants. This is the formula for kingdom praying. We're not asking in doubt. We're not asking in unbelief. We're not demanding God do anything. We're simply praying back to God what God already wants done in the earth. Wrote myself a note here, Dr. Cho, my beloved. This is the way to lose yourself in God when you pray like this. This is the way to die to one's own selfish ambition. This is the way to abandon the things of this world for the things of God. This is how you give up your things in exchange for the kingdom agenda. paradigm shift. See, our prayers in North America is, oh, bless me, God. God, can I have? God, if you don't mind. God, would you give me this? God, would you help her get that? God is saying, how about you give up your life for me? Like my son gave up his for you. That's why I call it dangerous praying. It's dangerous to pray the right way because it may mean that you abandon what you think your agenda is for what God's agenda Whatever you ask in my name, that the Father may be glorified. You see that there? I will do it. Is there anybody here this morning ready to pray like that? Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Where are you? Where are you? Are you still the Lord of the throne of your heart? Mask in the Sunday morning attendance? Where are you in your prayer life? Is there anybody here willing to say, Pastor, I'm ready to surrender like this. I'm ready to go all out for God because God has gone all out for me. 
Is there anybody here really ready to experience revival? If you are, it starts with sacrifice. Bible never comes alongside of you in your life of comfort to revive you in more comfort. You really want to change your world, start praying dangerously. And then I wrote myself an example of what this kind of praying looks like. It looks like this, Father, I want you to be glorified. So save my husband, my daughter, my son, my niece, my friend, my cousin. Don't fix their brokenness first. Fix their souls first. In Jesus' name I pray. It looks like this, Father, I want you to be glorified. So help me to surrender my money, my time, my talent, my service to you. In Jesus' name I pray. It looks like, Father, I want you to be glorified. So set my life on fire for you. Change my attitudes with an S. Change my thoughts with an S. Change my actions. Change all of me. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I want you to be glorified. So take my agenda and use me around this world to make disciples for you. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to love like you. I want to share like you. I want to do what you do. Lord, I need you to fill me up and pour me out. I want to be used by you. In Jesus' name, I pray. That's an example of dangerous prayers right there. And then, after you get up off your knees from praying like that, get busy doing what God wants you to do. Here it is. Get busy loving what he loves. Get busy being available for God. Get busy serving the lost around you. Get busy believing that he is able to do anything but fail. Hear the word of the Lord again, family. And whatever you ask in my name, that I'll do. That, the Father, remember it's about him, may be glorified in the Son. And what does it mean to be glorified in the Son? Well, here it implies that the Father will receive glory from the Son's work in our lives. Jesus will work in us, but the Father will receive the glory because the Son gives all glory to the Father. Let me, let me say it this way, give you the hip-hop version. You got to be willing to not get no credit. It can't be about you, even if it is ministry even if it is good stuff. You got to want that the Father gets the glory for what the Son is doing in you. 
I serve in one of the greatest colleges, I think, in North America. But you know what our problem is? We always want a little glory. I said it. I said it on the record, I said it. Because we're smart. We're bright. We write books. We train people. And there's always a little pride that comes in with that. You've got to want for God the Father to be glorified. And your heart has got to mean that. And then power will accompany and resources to do what God has called you to do. Well, we've looked at the power of Jesus. We've looked at the promise of Jesus. Let me land the plane now and give you the permission of Jesus. If you're with me, say, let's go, Pastor. In verse 14, the Bible says, if you ask, I love that he put this in here, if you ask, Angelus, anything, somebody say anything, in my name, I will do it. This knocked my socks off this week studying this passage. You see, as you come to the close, we get to hear Jesus say again the promise and the power he's going to give them with his permission. He's literally giving them the mandate to participate with the divine in the earth. The statement is said, watch this, to confirm what was spoken and to encourage what was said. Why? Well, because they were doubting. They were fearful because he said, I'm leaving. They were troubled. And the Bible says sorrow had filled their heart. So he needed them to encourage them, this is what you're here to do. So he gives them power. He gives them a promise. Lady Wilson, he gives them, baby, permission. Permission to try him, yes, and the Father <laughs> in prayer. I like this because the emphasis in this verse is put on the latter end of the sentence. Whatever you ask, anything in my name. I will do it. This is one of those emphatic promises in the scripture where you can try God at his word. Jesus says, I'll do it. Anything you ask in my name, I'll perform it. I'll bring it to pass. I'll make it happen. I'll see that it gets done. Here is where the curious believer gets to try God at his word in the name of Jesus. Here's where the skeptic gets to try God at his word. A lot of people talking. A lot of people talking. My, my word to the skeptic and to the doubter is shh until you try him at his word. And when you try him, then come back and talk to me. But if you ain't never tried him, you can't tell me nothing. Because I tried him and I know he's real. I've tried him at his word, and I know what he'll do. Quick story, about 30 years ago, about, about 15 or so ragtag little preachers and myself, we got together, and we decided, Brother Will, we was going to try God at this verse. So we started having some all-night prayer meetings. Pray for one month, pray for two months, 
These are all my brothers in the same church plant, kind of like RCC. It had grown and blew up across the city, and we thought we would take God at his word and try him. You know what happened? A few doors opened. We started going to some of the most dangerous prisons in California. Ministry on death row to killers, drive-by shooters, lifers, gangsters, rapists from all walks of life. We started seeing revival break out in the hardest ministries in the Central Valley of California. We kept praying. God started opening doors for us to do crusades in the inner city. We saw street gangs, prostitutes, drug houses get shut down. Bookstores, you know, those naughty stores closed down. Gang members giving their life to Christ, coming in church, laying their drugs at the altar, their weapons at the altar. Why? We took God at his word, and the power of the gospel was manifested because we said, Father, for your honor and glory, we want to do this. Some of us kept praying. Then we started going to various nations, starting schools, planting more churches. And here I am 32 years later, that same little boy, that same little preacher that tried God 30 years ago is telling you it's real. He's taking me to four different colleges, preached in four or five different continents, planted churches, allowed me to bless elves and now sons and daughters all over the country. So every time I stand to preach this word, I know he's real because I tried him at his word. I've tried him, and I'm here to tell you, it's dangerous praying, but it's good praying because you'll get to see the one you love like you've never seen him before. My question is, on my way down, is there anybody here that's ready to do life like this? Is there anybody here that believes his word? Is there anybody here that knows God will keep his word? Here's a better question. Have you ever seen God fail? Have you ever seen him forget? Have you ever seen him neglect you? Have you ever seen him quit on you? Have you ever seen him turn you down or turn you away? The Bible says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do. Well, I'm through preaching. Thank you, RCC, for being such a loving, sweet family. Thank you for keeping me in your prayers. But today, I want to pray. I want to pray that God would save all of your family, your generation. Today, I want to ask him to rescue your babies in his name because I believe he hears me. When I pray today, I want to ask him to open doors for the mission field for you. Today, I want to ask him to reveal himself to you in the name of Jesus. Today, I want to ask for revival to spread in this church. That we would acquire the heart of God in the name of Jesus. For every area of the life of this ministry, I want to ask for God to train our ladies, to train our men, that they will be great men and women of God in the name of Jesus. I want to pray 
that he would allow us the privilege to preach the gospel all over the world in any way that he sees fit. Don't get scared on me now. I'm on just starting with my dangerous prayer. <laughs> oh, I'm excited because guess what? He hears me when I pray. I'm so glad that he does. And I'm so glad. That's the heart of God. You know how I know it's the heart of God? Jesus came down from glory through 42 generations, was born of a virgin girl, raised up in the ghettos of Nazareth, walked the dusty streets of Palestine. At the age of 30, began his earthly ministry. You know the record. He gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, afflicted or healed those who were afflicted with leprosy. He cast out demons, walked on the water, fed 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread, then went to Calvary. And out on the cross, he took our sins upon himself. He was the Lamb of God to redeem us from sin. Died on that old rugged cross, was buried in another man's tomb, and early Sunday morning took the sting out of death and victory over the grave when the Father raised him back to life. And now he sits at the right hand of God as our mediator, our savior, our king, our Lord, our big brother to empower us to do the very same thing that we do. I don't know about you, but I was preaching a few weeks ago. I owe God a praise. And I intend to give it to him with my life. How about you? Our Father and our King, thank you so very much for this powerful mandate and mission for your disciples. Thank you that you paid for this with your blood on the cross. Thank you, Father, that you made these things possible, that we might do the very work you did in the earth. Thank you for going before us above us, behind us, around us, within us, to give the Father glory through the work of the Son. Thank you for RCC. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for what's in store for every member, every family, and the work of the kingdom. And now as we come to your table, to remember your suffering. May we be transformed with a renewed mind and a dedicated heart to live for you and live out your mandate. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.